You are listening to the Fantasy Joes Podcast, your weekly dose of fun and unique fantasy football talk with a focus on Dynasty. And now, here are your hosts, Trey Barrett, Will Greenwood, and Ryan Livergood. Let's transition into rookie talk. And Paul, we got a lot of questions for you and, and probably not enough time to get to all of our questions, but we're going to try. <laughs> Let's start with wide receivers. And I've been saying for a while now that this class, the depth of the wide receiver position, oh baby. I, I, I think if you're in a super flex league and you're, you know, you've got some early second round picks or even mid second round picks, you're probably going to end up with a really um, exciting uh, wide receiver you're going to put on your roster. So do you feel that way about this wide receiver class? I, mean, I, I, I believe you do. So is this one of the best wide receiver classes you've ever seen? I mean, is, does it go back to um, – was it was it the 2014 class that we, we all talk about with, with Beckham and, and, and friends? What do you think of this wide receiver class? Yeah, I mean, the only class you can compare it to is the 2014 class. I, I know personally, you know, I happen to look back at, you know, one of my leagues. And again, 10 teams, so it's a little bit different. But guys like Devontae Adams, Allen Robinson, they were going like third round of rookie picks because the, the class as a whole was just so talented. And I think that's what you see here. This wide receiver group, you know, you're going to be talking about guys like LaVisca Chenault might now be a second round pick because – his stock is down a little bit. Brandon Ayuk legitimately could be a first-round NFL pick or early second-round NFL pick, and the dynasty community doesn't really want to like him, whether it's because of his breakout age or, you know, he, you know, I, I, I don't know why the, the community is so down on him. Maybe because it's, he only, he, he only kind of burst onto the scene this last year or so. He, he transferred from Juco College. You know, and then last year, obviously, Nikhil Harry. But, I mean, if, if you've been reading the tea leaves, the NFL loves this guy. You know, Jim Nagy, who runs the, the Senior Bowl, said most NFL teams he talked to had a higher grade on Brandon Ayuk than they did Nikhil Harry. So, I mean, people are really high in the NFL on him. So, he's going to have a lot of draft capital. He's going to be a second-round rookie pick. K.J. Hamler is going to be a second-round rookie pick. Brian Edwards, Michael Pittman, you know, Denzel Mims. I mean, some of these guys are probably going to fall at a third round. I mean, that's just, how, that's just how great of a class it is. You know, and I keep going, Chase Claypool, so, Donovan Peoples-Jones. I mean, so, these guys are, you know, I look at my list. crazy. I, I'm excited about 15 wide receivers, like really excited about. So how many wide receivers do you have in the top 100 picks? Because I think it was Daniel Jeremiah said, I mean, this goes back probably a couple of months, probably before the Combine. Did he say something like he's got 30 wide receivers graded as, as like top 100 picks? Where are you at? Have you, have you done your big board and started to um, kind of grade where guys are going to go yet? Or are you, is that still early, too early for that? I, I have rough estimates. I have rough estimates. There's so many guys on that round three, round four border that I do think it, it's hard. I think when push comes to shove, we're going to have somewhere in the neighborhood of – 15 to 20. I think that's a realistic landing, you know, amount. Like to me, I think there's, I have 14 guys that I feel like are hundred percent locked in and, and they're not surprises from Judy to lamb to Higgins to rugs to Rager to Jefferson, Chenault, Ayuk, Hamler, Edwards, Pittman, Chase Claypool, Denzel Mims. And I think Donovan Peoples Jones is a lock after a strong combine. That's 14 names right there. Damn, that's, that's not that's a lot of names. 
That's Tyler, but Tyler Johnson is missing. <laughs> Tyler Johnson is missing. Not that's bad. I'm not, not that's a bad thing. I just it's interesting. It's to, it's so interesting that he's missing because he, he is he's missing. Also, because Paul, I pulled up your list, so I'm cheating. Yeah, I mean now Tyler. I have the notebooks. Here's the thing about Tyler. Here's the thing about Tyler Johnson. I think the dynasty Devi fantasy community is significantly higher on him than the NFL. I like Tyler Johnson a lot. To me, he warrants a top 100 pick. But I also love Stanley Morgan Jr. last year, and it was clear mm-hmm. that the NFL didn't, right? I, everything I liked about Stanley Morgan Jr., his physicality, his toughness, his route running, are a lot of the same things I like about Tyler Johnson, to be honest with you. I think Tyler Johnson is better than Stanley Morgan Jr. was, but for whatever reason, it doesn't feel like the NFL is that high on him. He ducked, he ducked out of the East-West Shrine Bowl. He wasn't invited to the Senior Bowl. He said he didn't do the, he didn't go to the Shrine Bowl because he was training for the Combine. And then he goes to the Combine and he does nothing except the on-field drills. So he's, he's been ducking the entire pre-draft process. There's not going to be pro days at this rate. So he's never going to run a 40 time. And I'll mm-hmm. tell you right now, without running a 40 time, I don't think there is a chance that, that, that he is taken in the top 100 picks. As much as, as good of his film is, I do not think he's taken in the top 100. So to me, after those 14 names that I rattled off, guys that I could see going in the top 100 in terms of the NFL world, whether I believe it, whether I agree with it or not, Devin Duvernay, who I do agree with, should be in that consideration. Van Jefferson out of Florida. Ant- Antonio Gandy-Golden out of Liberty, who I don't think should be a, a top 100 pick, but I, the NFL might be intrigued by him. Gabriel Davis at a UCF could be in that mix. Uh, and then you have a couple of the guys who are a little bit of – I know Dane Brugler and uh, Daniel Jeremiah are very high on John Hightower, the speedster out of Boise State. And then you have those hybrid guys like Antonio Gibson out of Memphis. I don't know if you're, he's going to be classified as a running back or a wide receiver. You have uh, Lynn Bowden out of Kentucky. He might be classified. Who knows? You know, this year he ended up playing like the Wildcat quarterback, but he probably will be classified as a wide receiver. So I think when push comes to shove, it's going to be in that 15 to 20 range. And then there's going to be so many talented players still coming off the board in round four and round five. Well, let's talk about the. Yeah, it's so much fun. And, and, so I mean, fun. it's it's going to be a fun rookie draft. And if you're in a super flex league with all those guys, plus we probably have a, a top five uh, running back class and then several quarterbacks and maybe a couple of tight ends sneak in there. Who knows? It, it's going to be a lot of fun. Let, let's talk about the top of the class, though. So it, it's Jerry, Judy, and CeeDee Lamb, I think, unless you've got Henry Ruggs, which, it, it, you know, he's a guy that's some people's number one or two. So, Paul, for you – if you got to choose between CeeDee Lamb and Jerry Judy for fantasy, who's your guy? It's Judy. I mean, Judy's been my number one in this class, you know, since I watched him, you know, basically two years ago. And I said, Judy, I'm not coming off Judy. And I still think that the transition from college from Saturday to Sunday there as the plug, but the transition <laughs> from Saturday to Sunday, I think will be smoother for Jerry Judy. I think, in terms of the defenses he went up against, in terms of the schemes and the coverages he went up, I think he's more pro-ready than C.D. Lamb. I, I, you know, Oklahoma in the Big 12, like, teams don't play defenses. Like, you know, you really watch C.D. Lamb's highlights, and you don't see a lot of times 
that he's making plays that he's going to be asked to regularly make at the NFL level. You don't see much at the catch point because he's always wide open. You don't have to see great route running. Now, listen, all this stuff is I love C.D. Lamb, the player. So I love his body control. I love his ability to adjust. I love his ball skills. There's there's so much to like about C.D. Lamb. I think he should be a top 20 pick. I think, you know, so I don't think Judy is that much higher than him. Like, I think both of them should be top 20 picks. I just, Judy's route running, his ability to get in and out of breaks, his ability, I think he has sneaky long speed. I think his play speed is even faster than his time speed. And to me, his time speed was just fine. It was fast enough. And I think he's a technician. And and his tactical, you know, route running and his savviness, I think is going to transition quickly. I think he's got more inside-outside versatility. I know he mostly played inside at Alabama, because I, but I think that was because of the other guys they had there. I do think, you know, people want to bring up some of the negatives of Jerry Judy. And if you want to bring up his size and his frame and you're worried about maybe he's exclusively a slot guy, I can listen and hear all those takes. But what I can't get behind is when someone wants to try to bring up market share with a guy like Jerry Judy. It does matter who's around. And I'm sorry. Like, I, I you know, I'm a math teacher, so I love statistics. But sometimes the con- – and I, and I find market share and things like that <laughs> – Dominator rating, very interesting, but I don't think it matters. I think in this case, and I don't think, I think context is so important when you start talking about that, because you can't tell me that Jerry Judy, if he played in a different program, wouldn't have a higher percentage market share and a higher dominator rating, but he played with three other guys who are going to be top 50 picks. All four of them might be first round picks. This year, him and Henry Ruggs are for sure going to be taken in round one. And a year from now, when, we, when I'm on your show, hopefully, we'll be talking about Jalen Waddell and Devonta Smith, who are both also going to be in consideration for round one or the top half of round two next year. So, yeah, I do think Tua had his choice. And I do think he wanted to keep everybody happy. And to be honest with you, most times, I think he could pick and choose who he wanted to road to. So I think that had something to do with Jerry Judy's overall stats. So when people talk about his stat line and his market share and and they bring that up as concerns, you know, I can't get behind that. And I can't get behind his BMI and stuff like that. Like I watched a player, I'm more film and traits based. And when I watch Jerry Judy, I see a special player. Do I see a guy who's going to be Odell Beckham when Odell Beckham was the best or one of the best wide receivers in the league? No. And then when I mention that, I think he could be Calvin Ridley plus people somehow look at that as a negative. And I think Calvin really has been great in the NFL two years in the league. He's got like 20 touchdowns or something like that. And he's been playing a number two role. And I think he could eventually emerge to be a number one. So if he's Calvin Ridley or plus, as some people think that's what he might be, I think that warrants going in the first round. And I'd be excited if I was any NFL team that can draft him. Calvin Ridley only has 17 touchdowns, Paul. I'm sorry. Only 17. Uh, <laughs> rough start to his two-year career. Yeah, so, Ryan, I know you had a prepared retort about Jerry Judy. Let's hear it. It's a joke. I'm kidding. This <laughs> <laughs> is such a passion. I love – you know, and, and I listen to your show, uh, Paul, and I love the exactly what you present with Jerry Judy because it's not the, – the, the context we haven't – that he has with Alabama, we haven't really seen yet in a prospect. We haven't seen like if if like was it Devin Smith? If he came out too uh, from from that wide receiver core, you could potentially have three wide receivers taken in the first round from one team. That's unprecedented. You don't know how to handle that. We don't know how to handle that. So then you just go back to film and traits, which that's a great, great uh, thing to lean back on. 
one one thing that I'm I'm curious, and the when I'm thinking about like rookie rankings and doing these uh, you know rookie mock drafts and just based on talent what they can do, I'm I'm struggling uh, with Rugs, Higgins, Rager, and then even like Justin Jefferson moving up there uh, overall. But the the player I'm most interested in and who has risen up from the combine is Denzel Mims. Uh, I'm a little bit worried that Denzel Mims, with the way he flashed at his age, you know, in his production, and then came into the combine and just blew it all up, that he isn't the next Prashad Perryman, that he isn't the next uh, Kevin White. Do you do you see anything different than what I'm, I'm seeing? We can't say Kevin White on the show. That, that's that's forbidden. Will you you cross the line, my friend? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, I think a lot of those guys that you just talked about. You, we could all make rankings before the, before the NFL draft. And we, we enjoy doing rookie mock drafts. I know we're taking part in one right now. I did one with some guys on, uh, from Fantasy Pros recently, and they're all fun to do. But in reality, there's so, such a small razor margin between these guys that landing spots, immediate opportunity, offense, scheme – quarterback play is really going to dictate these guys rankings like I know for me I'm still a believer in T Higgins I still really like him I haven't knocked him down and and so he's still my number three wide receiver at the moment I'm not so set in stone that you know this isn't going to happen anymore but like if he would have been drafted by Buffalo if they didn't make the trade for Stefan Diggs I've already talked about while as much as I like Josh Allen I don't think it's a bulletproof reliable fantasy location just because of the way they want to play so as much as I would have loved Higgins if he would have went there and I have Higgins higher than say Justin Jefferson but then the Saints take Justin Jefferson well then Justin Jefferson is going higher in rookie drafts so I think the guys that you just talked about the rugs the Rager the Justin Jefferson and then you even put LaVisca Chenault on there and T Higgins I think their ranking in terms of rookie drafts is going to be a lot dependent upon where they go. I think they're all going to have draft capital. I think they're all going to be gone in the top 45, top 50 picks. So I don't think that's going to be too much of a thing that pushes and moves the needle. I think it's going to be more about landing an opportunity. Henry Ruggs is the one that's going to fascinate me the most because the fantasy community does not like guys that get pigeonholed as as one trick ponies. And last year I was, I was blown away surprised at how low people were on Marquise Brown after the draft Mm -hmm. before the draft. And it was because he, he, I don't know if his game's going to translate. He only does this. Is he going to be two feast or famine? And people came up with a lot of reasons why now, listen, if, if someone brought up the injuries and the durability factor, well, and they were proven right. He didn't play a lot of games last year, but I feel like Henry Ruggs is still like, I see rookie mock drafts and I see Henry Ruggs, going behind guys that sometimes surprise me and you know some not recently but a little bit before like guys like Zach Moss were going ahead of him and I think that's crazy talk you know I I see Zach Moss going ahead of Brandon Ayuk at times and to me that is I I I don't know what world we're living in when taking a round four who where I think he goes running back over a a wide receiver who's going either locked in round one like Henry Ruggs or early to mid-second round, I think, is the absolute worst-case scenario for a guy like Brandon Ayuk. And I think sometimes people just kind of pigeonhole these guys as one-trick ponies, these speedsters, and even if that's their one trick, and I think Henry Ruggs is more than that, it's so – they're going to have so much opportunity – 
afforded to them based on that draft capital and their unique skill set of having that, that long speed that I think we, we don't rank them high enough sometimes. I'm going to have a really hard time on the clock not trading up to try to get rugs when he starts yeah. to slip. Because, I mean, I think, I think when you look at Henry Ruggs, I think, I, think you're talking, I think you're talking his floor is somewhere in the Will Fuller to Deshaun Jackson and his ceiling is Tyreek Hill level player. I mean, maybe he falls somewhere in between there for sure, but, but look, how talent, look how talented and productive Deshaun Jackson has been for a long time. When Will Fuller's on the football field, all he does is produce. So if he's somewhere in between Deshaun Jackson, Will Fuller, and you know, even if he is Deshaun Jackson or Will Fuller, he deserves to go in the round one of every rookie draft. And if he's Tyreek Hill, then we're all, we're all missing the boat, and he should be the first pick in the rookie draft. He's big, he's big hands, Will Fuller, is what I feel like. And that's, that, big <laughs> I hands, love it. Big hands, uninjured Will Fuller. And it, it just, he's, he's, uh, everything I listen to and everything I read is moving him down and down and down. And that, that value that you're going to get in the later first, I guess I'm just okay with missing. Like if, if you, you know, that I end up moving up to take him, moving into it and taking Henry Ruggs, I am totally, I can live with myself in the future that if he misses, I'm okay with that. If he hits and I didn't make the effort to try to grab him, that's what I'm not going to be able to live with. Yeah, and I, I think there's this myth in fantasy that even if he is a player that's a little bit up and down, that we don't want, those, we don't want to avoid those guys. We want more guys that are more consistent. No, the, he is a weak winner. He's going to win weeks for your fantasy team, I think, and and I'm with you guys. I, I, I love rugs and it, it's, he's going to be a, a true value. I think unless the narrative changes somehow, but it doesn't seem like it's going to, because I think once the dynasty community gets a thought in their mind, it just kind of sticks and it doesn't really go away. And it, I think that's, what's going to happen with rugs. So we could spend all night talking about wide receivers. Any other mentions about wide receivers, anything else we want to mention? Uh, because we, I mean, th- these guys are exciting. We could talk about them all night. Yeah, I mean, I think the other guys that Will brought up a little bit, I'm interested to see how high Justin Jefferson goes after his combine. I think he's locked in for a round one pick. I think the round one guys now are probably Judy, Lamb, Ruggs, and Jefferson, I think are the four that are locked in. I think T. Higgins, uh, Jalen Rager... Brandon Ayuk, LaVisca Chenault, probably not so much anymore. But I think there's four locked in now. I think those four, Judy, Lamb, Ruggs, and Jefferson, I'd be stunned if they don't all go on round one. So it'll be, I think it's going to be interesting to see who the next guys are and how many go quickly off the board you know, on day two. I mean, I expect it to be Higgins. I expect it to be Rager. I expect it to be Ayuk, you know, and I still think Chenault probably gets his into the mix there, you know, and then Denzel Mims, you, 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 you know, we'll run him up before. I think he's now put himself in the top 45, top 50 mix. So I think he is squarely in the mix too, you know, so it's such, it's such a unique class that trying to sort these guys, like I said before, I think it's going to go back to a lot of where they end up, the quarterback, the scheme, you know, where they are on the depth chart in terms of immediate production are the guys that are ahead of them, you know, more towards the back end of their career. Are they, you know, more in their prime or they bunch of young younger guys there I think it's going to dictate a lot of this but I think you're going to see I think you're going to see the first two rounds of rookie drafts be absolutely loaded with wide receivers you know obviously depending on if it's super flex if it is you're going to have the four or five quarterbacks that go you know in the early part of the draft 
But I think besides those five running backs, and then there's one or two that really intrigue me, I think the second round is going to be dominated by wide receivers, you know, in, in these drafts, because I just think it goes so deep. Like we talked about before, if you, if we even, even if we have the low end of what I predicted before 15 wide receivers going the top 100, all 15 of those should be in consideration to be a top two rookie pick. And even if you say standard 12 team league, that's 24 picks, you know, 15 wide receivers aren't going to probably go in the first 24 rookie picks. You know, I guess it depends if it's one quarterback or super flex, but you add the, the five running backs and then, you know, some other running backs are going to get up in good landing spots. So some of those 15 guys are some of them might even make it to the beginning of the third round. And if it's super flex, a whole bunch of them are going to make it to the beginning of the third round. I will say, I think it's one of those years that just don't even think about a tight end until round three of any rookie draft. It, no one, no one should even go in the top two rounds uh, to begin with in terms of the NFL draft. And there's a couple guys I like, but they should be round three picks. Uh, if they go before then, I think they're being overdrafted. Yeah, it's because so, I, I, Iowa didn't put out. Uh, <laughs> so I get, I get that. I get that. It's hard to recall from last year's. So let's limit the tight end talk. Paul, quickly, who are those tight ends that you like? So oh. the – Honestly, Sorry, the, well. only guys, the only guys that I think are now locks who should go in the top 100 are Adam Trapman out of Dayton and Cole Komet out of Notre Dame. I think, in, I think those are going to be the first two tight ends off the board. I, I feel confident in that. At this point, it's probably Cole Komet who tested out as a better athlete. I personally like Adam Trapman a little bit better. I was really, really disappointed with the Bryant guys at the, the combine. Harrison Bryant, Hunter Bryant. I thought Hunter Bryant was going to test out much better if he doesn't have a pro day and dramatically lower that number. I thought, you know, people were given the Evan Ingram comp. I never really bought it. He's not anywhere near as tall as Evan Ingram. He's not anywhere near as athletic as Evan Ingram. I thought more Trey Burden or Jordan Reed. And I was still excited about that. He was still going into the combine. He was my number two tight end, you know, and then, you know, uh, number two or number three hit Harrison Bryant, Hunter Bryant. I had him flip flopped a lot and I had a Cole Komet down in four. I bumped Cole Komet up to number two because he surprised me a lot with his athleticism and the other guys really, you know, surprised me the other way, to be honest with you. And I didn't have much margin between all of these guys. So I think Trapman and Cole Komet should be the first two tight ends off the board. But even that, I think they should be third round picks. I don't think in this draft class with the depth of wide receiver, the depth on the offensive line, you know, five quarterbacks, maybe six, maybe even seven going in the top 60 picks. I don't think any tight end should come off the board in the first two rounds. I'm sure Cole Komet will, but in terms of fantasy, I don't think Cole Komet should be taken in the first two rounds. Not with how many good wide receivers we have in this. Maybe if it's a tight end premium, you know, a real heavy tight end premium or two tight end league, maybe Cole Komet should sneak into the back half of the second round, but we're, these guys are nowhere on the level of Hawkinson, Fant, you know, and even Irv Smith, in my opinion. So I think they're more, they should be more third round rookie picks. I like Harrison Bryant and Hunter Bryant, but I think, I think, I think they're on the round three, round four border in terms of NFL draft uh, value. So I think that impacts their fantasy value. So I think the third and fourth round are going to be where a lot of the tight ends go in your rookie drafts. Uh, after the top four, you know, listen, I'm a little excited about Devin Asiasi uh, out of UCLA. He's a guy that's kind of flying under the radar. Uh, Bryson Hopkins, very athletic. You know, Albert uh, Okuwebenam out of Missouri. Obviously, well he, 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 <laughs> ran, he ran the, the, the fast 40, but 
on film this year. He was really had a down year. Colby Parkinson, Thaddeus Moss. I mean, there's nine guys that I'm intrigued oh, by. Thaddeus Moss. So those nine guys, I think, are all somewhere between round three and round four picks. So how many end up in the top 100? Not sure. But those top nine guys probably should all go off the board, you know, within the top four rounds. So I think, you know, some of them will end up having better fantasy value than other guys. I just don't think there's a lot of separation between these guys. So I think it's about, you know, who ends up in the right spot that you're excited about. Uh, For me right now would be Trotman, Cole Command and then the two Bryans, Harrison and Hunter Bryant, are the guys on film I like the most. But that doesn't mean that some of these other guys don't leapfrog them in terms of uh, fantasy value based on landing spots and maybe even draft capital. Because I don't think I don't think it's clear that that's the order it goes. I feel pretty confident Command and Trapman are the number one and number two tight ends off the board. But then after that, I could see it going a lot of different ways and not following my order. Yeah, I I think that's good. So we basically we've we're pushing the tight ends to the side, and if we're in a super flex league, we're going to focus on obviously running the top tier of running backs, wide receivers, and then quarterbacks. Let's talk about quarterbacks because we talk a lot of super flex on this show. And I'm curious, Paul, what do you see happening with the quarterback position? Uh, obviously, we've got a couple of guys that should go super early, prob- probably three guys. If you talk about Tua, obviously Joe Burrow is probably your number one overall pick. And uh, Justin Herbert is, is, I think, risen into the top 10 for, for sure. But after that, you got some other guys like uh, Jordan Love. Um, Jalen Hurts is interesting to me. He's not, probably not going to go in the first round, but I, but I think he's intriguing. He's a winner. I mean, he just has some uh, tangibles that you can't find with a lot of other guys. So what's your assessment of the, the quarterback position this year? And where are these guys going to go? I mean, what, what do you think? Yeah, I mean – I think Joe Burrow is obviously locked in to be the first pick in the draft unless somebody blows the Bengals away with a trade. I think he goes there. I think Tua and Herbert are probably ticketed for Miami and Los Angeles, if I had a guess right now. Uh, I, I do think that Jordan Love is in play, though, to be honest with you, to be the third quarterback off the board. And I think there's enough – there was a lot of buzz – you know, if you were reading the tea leaves from the combine, you know, from Ian Rappaport to Lewis Riddick to Mel Kuyper, I mean, for God's sakes, Mel Kuyper and Tom McShay have a $5,000 charity bet in terms of what quarterback is the third quarterback off the board with Kuyper, I think on, uh, I think Kuyper's on, I forget who's on who. One of them's obviously on Love and one's on Herbert. I forget right now off the top of my head. Uh, So Paul, let me interrupt you for a second. What's your assessment of Jordan Love? What do you so, think about him? So before the season started, I was a big, big fan of Jordan Love. He was a guy that at the time, I didn't really think the national consensus was he was on the trajectory to being talked about as a first-round pick. I mean, you guys know that we start studying these players before the college football season starts. We put out the notebooks by Labor Day. We watch film all summer. And when Matt and I did the quarterback preview show, we were we don't – discuss anything before we get on the show live because we wanted to be as natural back and forth you know as possible and we both came away watching Jordan Love's 2018 film and we joked around that you know we had fluttering hearts going on in our heads because we really were intrigued by Jordan Love on his 2018 film the arm talent 
the velocity, the strength, the just got a cannon, man. The the ability to play off structure, play off script, throw from multiple platforms, side, you know, a little bit of sidearm release when needed to. I think it was Dane Brugler said that some scouts put it out there that he showed some Patrick Mahomes like skill sets, but with the caveat that we had to remember it was Patrick Mahomes college nobody thought Patrick Mahomes or he wouldn't have been the 10th pick in the draft there were a lot of question marks about Patrick Mahomes coming out if you watch this Texas Tech film I was a big fan of his I got him in a lot of my dynasty rookie drafts but there was a lot of questions about Mahomes and his ability to translate but what people loved was the arm talent was the ability to throw from multiple platforms the ability to play off structure play off script and people look past some of the flaws of Mahomes, the decision-making, thinking he was trying to do too much. So I understood why people were saying that as long as we were with the caveat of the Mahomes comparison to Mahomes coming out of college. And I think that's where sometimes people struggle when someone says they remind somebody of somebody not the guy that they become at the NFL level. Sometimes, sometimes they remind you of who they were when they were coming out. And I think I I understood that because I visibly saw it too. When I watched Jordan love then this year, really poor year. I mean, interceptions galore, poor decision-making, but I think the NFL is going to give him a pass on it. And I think the NFL is going to give him a pass on it, to be honest with you, because if you look at Josh Allen from two years ago, if you look at Daniel Jones from last year, the NFL looks at the context, I think, way more at times than we do. And they have the full picture. We only can go by what cut-ups on YouTube give us and allow us to. They don't, we don't get to talk to the coaches, ask them questions. We don't, they, we don't get all the inside information. And he lost his entire coaching staff for the most part. He lost every skill passer, every skill player, basically, in terms of receiving corps. He lost his running back. Most of his O-line were gone. He probably should have came out last year, to be honest with you. And this year, he had a very down statistical year. But I think those traits and the skill set are still there, and they're going to intrigue an NFL team. I thought the Colts, if they didn't make that the Forrest Buckner trade that you guys referenced before, were the perfect landing spot. Sign Philip Rivers, draft Jordan Love, let him sit a year or two, and then it might have been that natural, again, not saying he was going to become Patrick Mahomes, but Mahomes sat behind Alex Smith, refined his, his skill set a little bit in terms of understanding, reading defenses, decision-making progression. I thought that would have been the ideal thing for Jordan Love. I like his game. I think for fantasy and his running capability, he's got sneaky upside I don't think there's much difference in terms of fantasy value between him and Justin Herbert in a super flex league. I think both of them deserve to go the second half of round one or, or real early in, into round two. Uh, but I do think Burrow and Tua deserve to be the first two picks, though, probably in most super flex drafts, though. That, uh, that's the sneaky underside of that Colts trade is it ruins all of our fun fantasy takes. Yeah. That's <laughs> the mo- like it's it kind of like everybody's like, yeah, nobody really cares. But as a fantasy community, we all care because it, it saddens us. Because whatever pick, if it was an offensive skill position player, they're a weapon that we can draft in fantasy, everybody would have been excited. So that's- yeah. Just to tie in the free agency for a second, I said this on my SS pod this week. We thought that 
three teams in a row at 12, 13, and 14 were in play for a quarterback. And we were excited about maybe possible trade-ups or that was the absolute floor for Herbert and Love because you had the Raiders and then you had the uh, Colts and then you had the Buccaneers. Well, the Colts don't have that pick anymore. So the quarterback's out there. 49ers aren't taking a quarterback, I don't think, at pick 13. My guess is, to be honest with you, I think they're now very much potentially in the play for Jerry Judy or C.D. Lamb. So, Will, you might get your wish that we might get a skill player there to get really excited about. I could see them going that route and getting that alpha wide receiver that Shanahan usually likes to have in his offense. But no more quarterback at 13. No more quarterback at 14. The Bucs didn't sign Tom Brady to then go use their first-round pick on on his eventual heir apparent. They're going to they're gonna get someone to compliment him. So they're not taking a quarterback. The Panthers at seven went out and signed Teddy Bridgewater. I don't think they're taking a quarterback now. So the teams in the top 13 or 14 picks, it kind of shrunk a little bit of who could be in the quarterback market. So I do think the Chargers and the Dolphins are going to get their guys. Uh, I just, it'd be interesting to see if they just stay put or they try to leapfrog to where the Redskins are picking or the Lions or the Giants. Yeah, rolling the dice with, with your franchise is, is tough. The Bears experienced that, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about it. So the, there was a guy that played in the Mountain West Conference. He only completed 56.2% of his passes. In his career, he had 44 touchdowns and 21 interceptions. Not amazing college numbers. Will, who was that guy? Any idea? Uh, Mountain West Conference. All right. I, I have a guess, Ryan, but I feel like it's because – no, because they didn't join that till later. Uh, I'm going to go with Alex Smith. It, it, no, it is not. Paul, you know who this guy is, don't you? Josh is Allen. Josh Allen. So Jordan Love completed 61.2% of his passes in college. 60 touchdowns, 29 interceptions. So a better college line than Josh Allen. I think there is some optimism and a, a guy now that, Paul, after listening to you, I'm much more excited about because, you know, watching him at the Combine and seeing some film of Jordan Love, I mean, he, he does have the, the arm talent. And I don't know, he's an intriguing guy. And where does he go in Superflex drafts? I mean, he's a guy probably – I mean, it depends on landing spot, of course, but he's probably a guy that goes later round one, right, or maybe even early round two. Yeah, I think, that, I think that's the ideal landing spot. Late round one, early round two. And the yeah. only other guy, and you mentioned before, and I, I didn't talk about him at all, I will say from fantasy, yeah, Jacob Eason and, and Jake Fromm could have value because all quarterbacks have value in super flex leagues. I think Jacob Eason probably will be a second-round pick. There's been some round one buzz. I don't necessarily agree that there should be. Maybe he sneaks into round one, but I think he's more of a round two guy. Jake Fromm, I think, is definitely a round two or round three player. But then there's Jalen Hurts, and I think that's the one. Hurts, yes, yes, I yes. Think that's the one. I think that's the one that could be exciting for fantasy and not to sleep on him as, you know, if he gets some decent draft capital, if he gets round two draft capital, to me that's telling me a team is going to build an offense to cater to him and they look at him as a future starter. If he goes late round three or mid round three, a team could be looking at a guy and they could be thinking, you know what? Let's draft him here. Maybe he's our Taysom Hill. Maybe he develops into a backup quarterback. But if not, we could use him in a variety of other ways. You know, I think once you start getting into mid to late round three, you know, we've seen Davis Webb go there and we've seen CJ Beathard. So I think the, there's not a lot of you're guaranteed to get an opportunity. But he goes in round two. 
I think his fantasy stock goes way up because I think a team invests in round two in him. I think that's saying this guy's going to get an opportunity to be their starting quarterback and they're going to build an offense for him. So then I think he catapults because then you're talking about a guy who's got the rushing ability to have a big impact in terms of fantasy in addition to passing the ball. Yeah, and something we shouldn't discount too, even with Daniel Jones coming out last year, his athleticism was underrated uh, c- coming into it. It's a mistake we made, but we ended up pounding the table later on in Superfly's draft. We, we figured it out, like kind of where his value should be, moving it up. And I think that's the thing with Jordan Love. Uh, one is you should not care so much about the, the passing ability. You should care about his athletic traits, where he's being drafted, and the opportunity he's going to get. So easily moving him up. That's not, that's not overly difficult to figure out. Uh, Hertz is a guy that I think – I, I bet I, I would bet he goes early round two, like you have the first round of the draft. I don't know if he's a first round prospect basically at all. You know, he had that like sophomore year production that was massive, and moving forward, uh, maybe a team kind of moves up, tries to do that like Baltimore Ravens thing, Ravens thing with Lamar Jackson. They're they're different quarterbacks, they're different players. <laughs> you know, statistically they're just very very different as well. But uh, yeah, Jalen Hurts is some guy. If if, if again, if he's available in that that mid second round or even early second round in superflex draft. I'm totally willing to take that shot on him versus one of the the upside wide receivers. Yeah, absolutely. I think Hertz is very he's he's one of those guys that just solves problems. Matt always talks on S to S about solving problems on the football field, and he's not a guy who's going to look great in Senior Bowl practices. I'm actually surprised he even looked as good as he did in the combine passing drills. To be honest with you, I think he showed a lot of improvement in terms of just. Re- throwing the football but when you get him on the football field he just solves problems and then the the growth and development we saw in one year this year you know under Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma I think gives people a lot of hope that he can continue to do that at the next level and you listen we saw Tim Tebow anytime he started he was a quarterback one basically in fantasy so we've seen guys that when you have that running component you know, could be that. And I think Jalen Hurts very much, if given the opportunity down the line, to be honest with you, I'd take Jalen Hurts if I was an NFL team before I took Jake Fromm now at this point. And I think I'd, I'd try to cater my team towards that because I think we know what Jake Fromm could be. He could be a serviceable starting quarterback. And I don't know if serviceable is what you're looking for when you're trying to find your next future quarterback. Yeah, you yeah, get like a Derek Carr ceiling. Yeah, Jake, Jake Fromm is going to be in the league for like 15 years and just to be that backup that will keep signing those deals. We'll be like, how did he make that much money? You know, I mean, he, <laughs> where Jalen um, Hurts could, could be a, very interesting for your NFL team and your fantasy team. Let's move on to running backs, guys. We only have a few minutes left, really. And there are some really intriguing guys at the top. And then maybe some intriguing guys that you could get late in your rookie drafts. But uh, Paul, where, where do you, what, what about your, you know, there's kind of like a top five, I think that's emerged. So how would you break down that, that top five? And um, beyond that, wh- who are some of your favorite, maybe sleeper running backs? Yes. I mean, so my top five is DeAndre Swift, one, JK Dobbins, two, Jonathan Taylor, three, Cam Akers, four, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, five. To be frankly honest with you, the margin between those guys, I think is very thin that I think all five of them will have top 60 draft capital associated with them. So I think all of them or top 64, I should say, I think all of them are going to be selected by the end of round two. So I don't, and to be honest with you, I don't think any should go in round one. 
That's just my, in this draft class, I don't think there's enough separation between any of them that any of them should go in round one. If I was forced to pick one, I would pick DeAndre Swift because I like his all-around capabilities better than anybody else. But to be honest with you, I'd have a hard time taking DeAndre Swift in round one when I think I can get Cam Akers you know, in round two, a, a full round later, or Clyde Edwards Hilaire, a full round later, or J.K. Dobbins in the middle of round two, or, you know, or somewhere in there, Jonathan Taylor. I know Jonathan Taylor is kind of became the universal number one right now. Listen, I, I don't under, I don't blame anyone for having him. Like I said, the margin between these guys is all very small. I put a lot of emphasis on pass catching, and I like my running back to be that. I think a lot of things got to break perfect in fantasy, you know, and Derek Henry has showed that it could happen. So it's not inconceivable, but I think a lot of needs – a lot of things need to happen to break perfectly for guys like Jonathan Taylor to be top end, you know, RB ones in terms of fantasy at the NFL level. You need a really good offensive line. He's not a guy who's going to create much in the backfield for himself. He doesn't, he needs touchdowns and touchdowns. We know are very fluky from year to year. There's not a lot of consistency. So he needs things to break right because he doesn't have, I think the ability to catch 40 to 60 passes. I mean, I think at best, you know, this year we saw Leonard Fournette catch a lot of passes. That was just a product of what happened this year. So could Jonathan Taylor end up in a scenario and do what Leonard Fournette did this year? Sure. But he's not going to be a guy who is looked at to immediately be an impact in the passing game. He's a check down option at best. The other four guys I think could be impactful in the passing game. You know, I think Clyde Edwards Hilaire is the best pass catcher of the group. I think DeAndre Swift is second. I think Cam Akers is third. And then J.K. Dobbins is fourth. I think Akers, you know, Swift and Hilaire can run wide receiver routes. They can line up in the slot and do some things. You know, to me, DeAndre Swift is somewhere between, you know, a Josh Jacobs and an Alvin Kamara kind of blended together a little bit. You know, so, you know, I I see some of the pass catching ability of an Alvin Kamara type, how he moves, you know. People were worried about DeAndre Swift's speed. He answered that. I mean, if you look at Josh Jacobs' speed and Alvin Kamara's speed, that's they were right around, you know, DeAndre Swift. I think DeAndre Swift might have beat both of them, to be honest with you, in terms of his 40 tie. Mm-hmm. I think he's just very smooth uh, in, in terms of running the football and in the open field. You know, J.K. Dobbins, I think he showed that he has more bursts and acceleration. A little disappointed we didn't get to see him work out the combine, and he's not going to, I don't think, have a pro day. Obviously, what Jonathan Taylor did is absolutely freakish. It's on a Saquon Barkley level of, you know, athleticism. So I think he needs to be in in the right system, in the right scheme. He gets me on a great offensive line. He could be the clear you know, RB1. I can make the case that any of these guys should be the first rookie running back taken based on landing spot. I, I truly do. You know, I have Akers and Hilaire behind the, the, the top three guys, but if one of those, if Akers or Hilaire ended up in the perfect ideal landing spot, I don't think it's crazy that they go before them in rookie drafts. I think all five should be taken in round one or maybe in a super flex one or two, you know, maybe Clyde Edwards Hilaire or Akers falls to the tippy top of round two in a super flex. I could understand that, but I, but I like all five of them a lot. And I think the margin between them is very small in terms of any, any thoughts on that before I give you a couple sleepers. I just gonna say I don't think any of those guys fall out of the yeah. uh, superflex first round. Also, quick thought, just on a, a trade scenario. So let's say you're sitting at the 106 uh, in pre-draft. You want to move up to the 104 to just secure one of those top four running backs, maybe top five. What would you be willing to pay? <sighs> 
I probably wouldn't be able. I, I probably wouldn't pay too much. And the reason why I wouldn't wouldn't pay too much is I don't think all five of those running backs should be taken ahead of Jerry Judy. So you know, so for me, I think the top five running backs and Judy and Lamb are to me they're the seven guys that I'm most excited about in terms of fantasy. You know, obviously you can make the case for Rugs and other guys, but I just think there's so many good wide receivers in the second round. So I probably wouldn't m- jump up too much unless post-draft my RB1 based on w- where these guys go is still sitting there. You know what I mean? So to me, it would have to be pre-draft. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be that aggressive to move from like 1.06 to 1.04 because I, if I had to sit there and, and take Jerry Judy or CD Lamb, if it really started running back you know, five picks in a row, I'd be very okay with that. If I needed – a running back and I wanted to guarantee myself maybe maybe a late second round pick or a third round rookie pick like maybe though like to me it would be very hard to give up another asset in the in the first couple rounds just to move up a few slots because I just don't think there's a lot of separation and if I sat there at six and was forced to take Jerry Judy who I think is going to be a great wide receiver <laughs> I'd be I'd be okay with that or if I had to take CD Lamb I'd be okay <laughs> with that and Aww. to be honest with you I don't see a scenario unless Cam unless Akers or Hilaire end up in like Kansas City I don't see a scenario where Judy and Lamb go ahead of those guys to be honest with you. I mean, I'm sorry. I think I said it backwards. I don't see a scenario yeah. where Akers or Hilaire go before Judy and Lamb unless the running backs land in a perfect spot. Yeah, it'll, it'll be league to league dependent. But I, I wonder that if people don't look at the running back class versus wide receiver class and think, okay, here I am at the 105. I better draft a running back because I at the at the 205, I can grab a wide receiver that I'm comfortable with. Because uh, the sweater super class is so deep. Because I think there is the feeling in the community that after those top five running backs, you, it just like drops off a cliff in terms of the talent. So I do agree with you, but at the, I guess I'll play devil's advocate because I I agree with you. It does fall off a cliff, and I can see people doing that. The counter argument to that is what we literally witnessed today on just how fast running backs lose their value and how quickly things fall off a cliff. I mean, Todd Gurley literally was at the top of the world in terms of fantasy and dynasty two seasons ago. Like, not even two seasons ago. Literally before C.J. Anderson became a thing down the stretch that season. (laughs) That's you know, like, my favorite. Like literally like week 15 or week 16 of, you know, what was that? The 2018 NFL season. I mean, Todd Gurley was probably the number one or number two dynasty asset in all of football. And here we are today. He's getting released. So I could see somebody saying, listen, I like Clyde Edwards Hilaire. I like Cam Akers, but those guys, there's guys like them every year that come out. You know what I mean? And they might only have a short window of, of being really good where Jerry Judy could give me eight to 12 years. Theoretically, you know, wide receivers sometimes are really good till 31, 32, sometimes even later. But I mean, I think you take a wide receiver. I think you're hoping for like nine to 10 good years. You take a running back, you maybe you better be okay with like, like two or three good years because you don't really know if it's going to last much longer than that. So I think that would be the one argument that can maybe say, you know, if they're, if Cam Akers is a, a late second round pick or Clyde Edwards Hilaire is a late second round pick, is someone going to take them over Jerry Judy, who maybe 
goes 13, let's hypothetically say, to the 49ers or, you know, or the Packers take one of these guys or the Eagles get one of these guys. I'm not sure. Totally fair. So, Paul, we're running out of time here. Let's talk about some of these, maybe, I hate to call them sleepers, but uh, who are some other running backs that maybe later in your rookie drafts you would consider taking in a dynasty rookie draft, like fourth, fifth round, uh, whether we're talking about guys. I think A.J. Dillon has some hype, so he probably won't go that late. But like James oh, Robinson oh, 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 from oh. Illinois State. He's and my RB1. From Maryland. <laughs> A.J. Dillon's your RB1. No, I'm kidding. I got to at least talk about A.J. Dillon because I've had him locked in at six. <laughs> Sorry, I've, had him, I've had him locked in at six for as soon as Travis Etienne, Najee Harris, and Chaba Hubbard went back to school – A.J. Dillon was officially locked in at number six. I've liked this guy. I don't know why there is this gaping difference in terms of Jonathan Taylor's value and A.J. Dillon's value. I think the concerns of Jonathan Taylor that are, that are out there are very similar to A.J. Dillon as well. I think he's an athletic freak. I think you put him in the right offense. I'm honestly, I'm hoping the Titans draft him at the end of round three or in round four. They run Derrick Henry, you know, ragged for one more year on the franchise tag. They let him go, and then A.J. Dillon is the replacement because then I think A.J. Dillon's stock soars if the Titans draft him because I think if the Titans draft him, people are going to look at it as Derrick Henry is going to play out this year, and then he's going to be gone. And I think A.J. Dillon in the right system could be a a very good RB2. But again – if he falls to round four, where he might go, I think round four is probably his. Is, is, is it's probably where his landing spot's going to be. It, it depends. He probably ends up in a committee. So, but he, but he intrigues me a lot. He's a guy that I'd be willing to take in round two of rookie drafts. I know I told, I said before, round two is going to be flooded with wide receivers. But AJ Dillon, without knowing landing spots, is the one guy that I'd still be aggressive and get and go get in round two because I'd be intrigued. Uh, by him uh, for sure in that in terms of deeper guys I like Anthony McFarland he's in my top 10 he's been in my top 10 for almost the entire season so I think he's going to be around four around five NFL pick I can see him being a late second or third round rookie pick so I know that's not as deep as you were talking but I don't think McFarland is universally known I'm a little bit down a little bit down compared to the community on Zach Moss uh I, I always thought he was a day three pick. Some people think he's a day two pick. I don't see that. To me, he's a little bit one-dimensional, not much of a pass catcher. Uh, real deep, though, Darrington Evans out of Appalachian State intrigues me a lot. I think he could be a round four guy, be a really intriguing player. Uh, Rico Dowdle out of South Carolina intrigues me a little bit. Michael Warren out of Cincinnati. I think those guys are more interior runners, uh, could be parts of a committee. Dowdle showed more athleticism than I thought at the Combine. Uh, you mentioned James Robinson. I mean, he's probably a guy who, if he gets drafted, is going to be round six or round seven. So he's really a guy that would be under the radar. Uh, I like a couple other guys, you know, Scotty Phillips. I like a little bit more than James Robinson. Uh, but to be honest with you, I don't think this, I don't think this running back class is very good after the top five. Like I think the top five is really good. I like AJ Dillon a lot. I'm, you know, I think, you know, Benjamin could be a solid guy on in round four. I like McFarlane, Keyshawn Vaughn, you know, Javon Leak, I thought was going to be really good at the combine and then ran really slow, but I love his film. So he's an intriguing guy that might fall because of that poor combine workout. He's still number 11 on my wide, on my running back board. Uh, I don't see a lot of guys late though, who I think are going to materialize. 
you know, into fantasy factors. I think Darrington Evans, Rico Dowdle, Michael Warren would probably be as low as I'd go, you know, in terms of pre-draft without knowing uh, landing spots. All right. I, I think that's a good summary of this rookie class. Two-minute warning, gentlemen. Any any final thoughts? Will, what about you? What What are your final thoughts with this rookie class or oh, free agency frenzy? For sure. One, Ryan, I, I have some – I got some interesting insight about your favorite running back in this class, which is LeMichael P. Ryan, because he had the biggest hands in the class. Big hands. Which is, which is Ryan's uh, MO. He loves right. massive hands. It's the only thing he loves. He doesn't care about any other stats, uh, breakout age. You know, whatever, weight, height, <laughs> everything's unimportant. Just hand size. Hand size man, Ryan. Loves the Michael P. Ryan. And I, so, 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 Ryan, you know, I was transitioning from a previous job to the next one. And I was talking to a customer at the previous one that I looked up his LinkedIn, and he went to the University of Florida. So I was like, oh, you got to be a big Gator football fan. You know, talk, talk to me about the Michael P. Ryan. And first of all, he said that he thinks he'll be a successful NFL running back. And I was like, well, why do you think that? And he, you know, there's a few things in there, but I was like, well, you don't sound that confident. And the basis is, is that uh, he isn't, he, you know, he's off the field for a lot of plays. He got banged up a lot of the time. Uh, and he, he didn't end up, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't really a fan favorite at Florida, which I thought just was super interesting. And I wanted to bring to the table that the Michael P. Ryan after his testing kind of, he faded anyway, but I was just a little bit sad to hear that your favorite running back also isn't like even a favorite of Florida fans. <laughs> that, that's that's that, that's sad when the um an alum from a school says no nah, they're, they're gonna be bad in nfl because well, you know they've seen well, all their said, games said they were gonna be good but like there was that was the truth that was the truth all right uh, paul any final thoughts to, to leave with us tonight? yeah i mean i think i think it's a fun draft class i think it's a deep draft class i will say don't let pre-draft narratives and takes guide you too much in your rookie drafts when the rookie drafts come, because I think that's a mistake that a lot of people make. I think we have to be uh, adapt. I think we have to be willing to change our mindset and understand that draft capital is King when push comes to shove. And we got to let the, we got to listen to the NFL because more times than not, Draft capital impacts a lot of how these guys' fantasy success has. And I'm not saying, oh, this guy went pick 21, this guy went 34, so you have to take the guy 21. That's not what I'm saying. But when we're talking about – and, and we, we talked about him before, so I'll bring him up again. Tyler Johnson, I, I'm a fan of his game. I'm a fan of his game a lot. I think he should be around for a pick in the NFL draft. But if he goes round five or he goes round six – People shouldn't be – his ADP at one point I saw was higher than Brandon Ayuk's. And it's things like that that were – I don't – I think we are holding on to, to our takes too much in the community at times and not listening and reading the tea leaves of what the NFL people, the people inside the league are telling us. When, they're, when Daniel Jeremiah has Brandon Ayuk and his top 24 players – he does that, A, he likes the player, but I think he's also being a little bit guided by what he hears. You know, it's just human nature if you have all that inside information. So we got to listen to what these guys are telling us, you know, and then what we see on draft weekend has to be really 
thought of into our rankings and then into our, you know, mock drafts after the draft and then into our actual rookie drafts. Because I think sometimes we want to believe that we have all the answers, you know, from watching YouTube highlights or crunching numbers or whatever people, you know, do to get most of their rankings before the draft. But the draft and what happens in it dictates so much of, of what's going to happen in terms of these guys, in terms of their fantasy value. And I think we have to make sure we're, we're reading the tea leaves completely and not holding on the pre-draft narratives and takes because I think that goes universal. I think right now, you know, and this is a whole nother conversation, and we see that with Daniel Jones and Josh Allen right now. People are slow to react to them, even in fantasy, because they're holding on to their pre-draft biases of thinking both of these guys were, were garbage. Yeah, for sure. I think that's I'll, – I'll echo that. Let's see what happens with these guys. If a guy like Jalen Hurts goes in the fourth round or Clyde Hubbard-Hilaire slips to like later third round, even though we like these guys, we love what they did in college, let's pay attention to that draft capital. That's a, a very important lesson. So I, that's it, Paul. Quickly tell our listeners where they can find you and your work. Yeah, so you could find me at Twitter at Paulie23NY. You can find uh, the Saturday Sunday Football Podcast at SS Football. You could also go to our website. Easiest way is ssfootball.com, or, or you can write the whole thing out. Saturday to number two, sundayfootball.com. Uh, please check out our premium uh, content. For $9.99, you get access to four premium notebooks. It is really the best way uh, to support Matt and I to continue to do what we're doing. Uh, it's the lifeblood of us. We never you know, ask uh, for any donations or anything any other way. We wanted to give you guys back something for, for what we do, and everything that we make uh, goes right back into – paying for the server, paying for the website, uh, all that stuff. So uh, we greatly appreciate it. Uh, and if you are a previous purchaser, we hope that you continue to, to check it out. If you haven't ever tried it for $9.99, we hope you consider purchasing it. You get the scouting notebook, which has close to 100 player profiles of guys in this year's draft class. So we're talking strengths, functional areas, developmental areas, draft projection, NFL role, scheme fit, fantasy spin this year. There's almost another 30 guys, too, that ended up not declaring, like I said, the Travis Etienne's and the Najee Harris's of the world. So you're, you're talking about like 125 profiles in that. The rankings notebook you also get immediately has all our rankings and tiers for the draft class. It'll have our dynasty rookie rankings. It has our tiers. It has our Debbie rankings. And then there's still two more notebooks to come. Uh, Matt does the freshman notebook where he, he – uh, gives his thoughts on the top incoming freshmen for your Devi leagues or just maybe future dynasty rookie picks or just a fan of college football. And then I do the draft projections notebook where I have a tab for every position, offense and defense in terms of what I expect to happen based on everything I'm hearing, reading and listening to uh, notes on every single player, just to give you a snapshot of who they are, what they do well, uh, where they struggle with. And then I have a tab for my projection on the 32 players that'll go in round one. The, I think this year is 104 picks in the first three rounds, so I guess it'll be my guess on the top 104 picks. And then my guess, I believe it's 256 again this year, my guess on all 256 picks uh, in the draft as well. So you get all four of them for $9.99. If you have any questions, please reach out to me on Twitter. Uh, but we hopefully that uh, you can you think about purchasing it and helping support us. And it's a crazy great value. I've used the notebook for Debbie Drafts I've been in. If you have any of those leagues where it's a contest on draft night to get the most the most amount of right picks in the first round, uh, Paul, you've got a great track record at this, man. Oh, you're not so perfect, good. but but your track record is super good. So check it out, 99 It's a bargain. Um, 
So with that, that's the show. Um, we are the Fantasy Joes. You can find us on Twitter at FFJoes. We also have a Patreon account. You can support us there, patreon.com slash Fantasy Joes. So on behalf of Will Greenwood, I'm Ryan Livergood. We are the Fantasy Joes. Boom. <laughs>